0: This is Husker Sports with Sports Nightly. First, tonight's sports headlines.
1: Good evening, I'm Josh Hilkeman. This update's brought to you by Cornerstone Bank. While times seem uncertain, Cornerstone Bank is here for you and your financial needs, just like they have been for the last 138 years. When times are difficult, there is no place like Nebraska. Bank on a solid foundation, Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC equal housing lender. In Nebraska basketball news, Cam Mack has decided to put his name in the transfer portal, according to a statement he put out on Twitter earlier today. Mack had previously entered his name in the NBA draft, but didn't sign with an agent, which allows him to return to college next season if he chooses. Mack finished the 2019-20 season averaging 12 points, six and a half assists, and four and a half rebounds per game for the Huskers, including the first triple-double in program history. A couple of NFL notes: Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry signed a franchise tender worth 10.2 million dollars today. The two teams will, or the team and Henry, will attempt to work out a long-term extension before the July 15th deadline for franchise players to sign extensions and the Dallas Cowboys signed Alden Smith to a one-year free agent deal worth up to four million dollars the 30-year-old defensive end hasn't played in the NFL since 2015 when he dealt with substance abuse and legal issues Smith was the number seven overall draft pick in 2011 and has 47 and a half sacks in 59 career games live inside the Husker Sports Network studios I'm Josh Ilkman
0: your state your team your show, this is Sports Nightly.
2: Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around oh, the left side. He's got first down, 35,
3: 30. Wandale 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
2: Thank you. Welcome to our Thursday night edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Hour. We've got a big hour ahead of us. Ahead here from the head basketball coach, Fred Hoiberg, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. And the newest member to the Nebraska Hall of Fame, great volleyball player Jordan Larson, all coming your way this hour. But uh, Josh had it for us in the ticker, and that was the news of the day, dealing with Husker basketball player Cam Mack, who put out on social media late this morning this post to the city of Lincoln, the University of Nebraska, my coaches, my teammates, and the most loyal – Amazing Husker fans, I enjoyed this season and the honor of being the first Husker player to record a triple-double in basketball history. I am so grateful for the opportunity to play at PBA. Due to my family circumstances, I will enter the transfer portal. I will keep my name in the NBA Draft 2020 and remain academically eligible through this process. Thank you, Cam Mack number three. Probably not shocking news, Ben. Um, I mean... There was a lot of rumblings, and kind of when he got suspended toward the end of the year, you kind of wondered if we'd seen the last of Cam Mack in a Husker uniform.
4: Yeah, just didn't really seem to be able to uh, stay out of the news for the right reasons. And I really, I really enjoyed being around Cam. He was a he was a fun guy to be around, fun guy to talk to, and fun guy to watch play basketball. I know he um, had a lot of ability, was very talented. We saw how much. Uh, Nebraska missed him when he wasn't on the floor. He meant a lot to this team. And unfortunately, uh, you know, some circumstances off the floor kept him from from being there all the time. And and that's a, really a bummer. This cycle continues for Husker basketball. I know Coach Hoiberg is who we'll hear from. Um, you know, once they just get some stability here, some stability happening and and get guys in here that are going to buy into the program, follow the rules, do what's expected of them, follow that culture that he's established that it's going to take to play here at Nebraska. And I know those guys are out there, um, but to build a nucleus and to build a team that, that is just that, a team, uh, is proving to be a big process. He was an interesting guy because he certainly had some theatrics to his game. He's a very
2: talented player. I mean, Fred Hoiberg even said that he might have been the quickest guy that he's ever coached. And this was the guy that coached in the NBA. And, yep, he put up a triple-double. He had stretches where he was as good a player as there was on the floor this season. But his inconsistencies, the number of times that he was suspended for games was inordinate for a guy that you'd think would be wanting to toe the line and be a part of the program. So there were certainly positives with Cam Mack, but there there was baggage. There were negatives
4: to Cam Mack as well. Yeah, there was. And I think, you know, you look at his circumstance before Nebraska was certainly an interesting one, right? I mean, good enough to play Division One basketball at a high school um, and, and was, you know, did, did, and then, you know, transfers to the junior college after, what, a semester, didn't even make it a full year, uh, and then spends the time at JUCO, was recruited to St. John's with Coach Abdul-Massey and and i know i know matt really wanted to bring him to nebraska um and and of course you know as Cam's statement said with his um with his family situation meaning the health of his mother uh it's it's obviously something that has affected him and and his decisions to to where he's going to be at school where he's going to finish his collegiate career and unfortunately it's not going to be at nebraska um so you couple with his you know his disciplinary issues off the floor along with you know his mother who's who's fighting health issues and, and some cancer um, you know to get to get there and, and be around her I know is probably important as well. We had Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal star on a couple of nights ago and he threw out
2: some names of people that Nebraska is still recruiting and one of those is Trey McGowan's a Pittsburgh transfer who has put out his final five Nebraska is in that that's a point guard that would seem to be a guy that Coach Hoiberg and this staff are going to zero in on, and this is something that I cannot ask the coach coming up here in a few minutes because he can't talk recruiting, he can't throw out names of young men who have not yet committed to the program. But it certainly would seem to open the door for McGowan's to become a Cornhusker, knowing that right now that point guard
4: job is wide open for next season for the Big Red. It is, and you know, with DB transferring as well, uh, yep. there's just not a lot of minutes that – that are coming back at, at that spot and I, again you know nebraska's chemistry uh coupled with the you know the departures the transfers um the graduations of hanif and mate there's two more guys that are gone of course bringing the three additions in with with delano shamil and Derek coming coming in you know this is just, it's going to be another new team and and i know fans are going to get tired of hearing about it but you just you you we're going to be going through this all over again with each other. And I know yeah. at least they're going to be familiar with one another. They're, they've spent a year with each other, but there's still going to be a fair amount of new talent coming into Nebraska basketball next year.
2: It's just kind of – that's what college basketball kind of turned into. It's like – I mean, even at the highest level, Ben, if you're talking about the Dukes or the Kentuckys, because of the one-and-done rule, they've been mm-hmm. rolling their rosters over for more than a decade doing this. So I, it's just – i think i saw jeff goodman tweet today that the number of people that are in the transfer portal for college basketball is nearing 600 it's going to keep going up and it's just i just think that's it's kind of the new norm for college hoops it's not guys that kind of hang in the program and are there for four years
4: yeah that's just kind of the deal and you know keeping everybody happy and you know it's it's a it's an epidemic for sure keeping a roster together and i don't know you know if those numbers are going to continue to go up or not but for right now this is the trend in college basketball and and you could make the argument greg that the that the transfer recruiting market is just as important now than the high school recruiting market and yeah. th- that seems asinine to say <laughs> if if i would have told you that was the case five years ago you know i would pay money to see the look that you gave me um but this is the way that it's going you can build a sweet 16 caliber team all around transfers now is that how you want to build your team probably not but you're doing yourself as a coach and as a program is a huge disservice if you're not at least looking into that market because a lot of these kids greg are former 100 top 100 kids that have the talent to play anywhere but just have yet to found their happiness in college i think the good the good news for husker fans is they have a head coach in fred hoiberg
2: who has utilize this blueprint before this is what he did at Iowa State heavy transfer group and as he said he goes I wouldn't want to have it that way but that's the way we were forced to do it early as we were building that program up I think eventually he'd love to be able to just kind of go to the high school ranks and build a program and get guys into the program learn the system and go but again with what he's done at Iowa State and kind of a trend in college hoops That kind of looks like the way we're headed. So we're going to hear from the head coach here in a couple of minutes. Then later on in the hour, Ben's going to talk with Jordan Larson, one of the all-time great Husker volleyball players who's the second member announced to the 2020 Hall of Fame class. The first we heard from last night in Coach Pettit. John Bader sat down with Coach Pettit. And now uh, Jordan Larson, who did not play for Coach Pettit. Obviously, she played for John Cook. But she's the second member. uh, Athletics is going to slowly let out these names over the coming weeks. I think it's a great way to do it since we're kind of in a a down period of big-time news. So we're going to hear from Jordan Larson. And what an amazing story she is, Ben. I mean, this is a gal from a small town, comes to Nebraska, becomes a star here, goes on and plays volleyball all over the world, plays for Team USA, has been in the Olympics already, uh, is going to be in the Olympics. or I think she's hoping to be in the Olympics again now in 2021 since that's been backed up a year. But she's just an amazing story and one that nebraska fans certainly
4: it's one they wrap their arms around and it's a story in which john cook loves to tell he loves talking about her yeah where she comes from what she's about her character her ethics her work ethic what she means as a as a teammate as a captain as anybody you would want representing your team or your program uh it's it's by the book i mean she is she's as good on paper as as she is a person and you know the the standards that that she has laid out for what you could be you could make your uh, of yourself as a husker volleyball player as an olympian as a professional overseas it's what a lot of girls that are playing in this state strive to be and you know she probably pretended to be you know growing up and and that's the amazing thing about nebraska is it's become just such a volleyball empire because of players like Jordan Larson and Sarah Pavin, and, you know, just go down the list of, of athletes that have paved the way wearing the scarlet and cream. Um, you know, Jordan's Jordan's a, is as good as it gets. And I think, you know, that's, that's to a credit to John Cook, to Terry Pettit, to, you know, everything that Nebraska volleyball stands for. And it's a reason why, a big reason why, these coaches and Pettit and Cook have this team competing for a national championship every year, and it's why you know these these athletes when they're done playing, Kayla Banworth, um, Bus Boom Kelly, you just go down the list of, of of former players for John Cook that want to continue their volleyball life, whether it be coaching or playing somewhere else. Um, it's it's amazing. So yeah, huge congratulations to her. Can't wait to talk to her. All right, so a busy hour coming up we'll Her along with Coach Hoiberg
2: coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We're glad you're with us here on what's in Lincoln and this part of the state now turned into a dreary day, but uh, we're going to cheer you up with some good stuff, including the head coach of the Cornhuskers, Fred Hoiberg. That's coming up next. We're back Thursday night, Sports Nightly here on the Huskers Sports Network. Greg Sharp with you here tonight. And delighted to be joined now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline by the head basketball coach of the Cornhuskers, Fred Hoiberg. And coach, thanks for spending some time with us. Let's start with how are you doing? You gave us all a pretty big scare a couple of weeks ago with your health in Indianapolis.
3: Yeah, I, I feel great, Greg. It, was, uh, it really was a surreal night. And, uh, you know, just let me try to walk you through uh, what happened. I, I wasn't feeling great going into that game. And, uh, you know, we thought the right thing to do when talking to our trainer was to see the on-site doctor uh, that was appointed by the Big Ten. And uh, went in there. He was great. He did a battery test on me, checked my vitals. Uh, everything was, was pretty much normal. Uh, and he checked my lungs. That was the biggest test that he did. Uh, he listened to my lungs. And then they actually took me across the street and did an X-ray on my lungs. Uh, and everything was perfectly clear. So, so he cleared me. Uh, to coach, but I felt that was the right thing to do was to go see somebody who knew a heck of a lot more uh, than I did. And I think we were all still learning uh, at that time. Uh, in fact, that was really the night where everything started. You know, the dominoes started falling with uh, canceling the conference tournaments, and I believe that was the night that Rudy Gobert uh, texted, uh, tested positive, and they ended up canceling Uh, The NBA season, Uh, you know, had I known then what I know now and, you know, at the time, you know, my big focus was uh, trying to get our guys to go out and and finish off the season, play with great effort. I thought they did that. Uh, You know, I wasn't glued to, you know, CNN or, uh, you know, the nightly news. You know, I was trying to get my team prepared uh, to go out and play and finish off the season the right way. And, you know, had I known uh, then what I know now, I definitely would not have gone out there and coach that game uh, because I did have some of the symptoms that they do talk about now. But at the time, uh, you know, what I had heard about it was, uh, you know, it was something that if you had tightness in your chest or if you had trouble breathing, uh, that those were the signs that you might have the coronavirus. Uh, So, you know, again, I felt the right thing to do was to see the doctor and I was cleared. He he cleared me to coach uh, that game. I went out, uh, did the best job I could. And with about, three and a half minutes left under the last four media, uh, minute timeout, Uh, one of our officials came out from the Big Ten and and told me that I had to leave the floor. So, uh, you know, I I walked out, I left, they took me to the hospital, they they did a test, which thankfully I tested negative. Uh, I tested positive for influenza A, which I know is a very serious condition. Uh, But I had a very mild case of it and got over it uh, within a couple days. But, um, you know, scary time, obviously a very scary time for all of us with what's going on in the world right now. Uh, you know, I just want to offer my thoughts and prayers to anybody that's been affected uh, by this virus. <clears throat> uh, you know, thank all the workers, you know, the frontline workers in healthcare, care, uh, the doctors, the nurses uh, that are in there battling every day. And, you know, the people that, uh, you know, are out there with us doing the essential work with the grocery store workers and the gas station workers. Uh, thank them for what they are doing uh, to try to help uh, keep everybody safe right now. But it really is a scary time.
2: What contact have you had with your team over the last two weeks, and what, what has your message been to them?
3: Yeah, all, all of our players are home, and, and everybody's safe right now, and, and everybody's uh, feeling fine at, you know, at, at the moment. The biggest thing we're trying to tell them to do is follow the guidelines that are out there right now all across not only the country, but we've got players uh, you know, that are in other countries uh, right now, and to do everything they can uh, to keep themselves and to keep others safe by following the guidelines. Uh, You know, it's an important time uh, for our players right now uh, from an academic standpoint. You know, this is something that nobody uh, has ever been through before as far as having all their classes online. And, you know, the importance of staying in touch with their academic advisors and staying in touch with their professors to try to finish off the semester uh, the right way. Uh, You know, as far as going out there, doing what they can to try to keep themselves in, you know, some form of shape. Uh, we've given them workouts, uh, you know, most of them body weight uh, workouts or get outside, just try to be active, uh, you know, go for a run, go out and do sprints, uh, you know, find a hill, uh, just to try to do as much as they can right now uh, to stay active. But the biggest thing you know, that we've talked to them about is, is doing everything they can to stay safe and follow the guidelines.
2: Speaking of your team, you're down one more. It was that Cam Mack announced earlier today on social media that he's transferring from the University of Nebraska and also kind of keeping the NBA draft in the back of his mind. What conversations have you had with Cam over the last couple of weeks?
3: Yeah, you know, I wish Cam nothing but the best. And, you know, the, the first thing, you know, Cam's going to uh, look at doing is, is explore uh, the NBA draft. And it's, it's a different time, again, for everybody right now. Uh, generally, the way this works is you get your name in, you have a, the undergraduate advisory committee uh, will try to help Uh, you know, put you in a different category as far as where you're going to be projected. Uh, You know, if you're a draftable player, uh, you know, then the decision is made whether you stay in the draft. And at that time, generally what teams do is they start bringing in uh, players for individual workouts, uh, either individual or or in small groups, groups of six, or the maximum amount you can have. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's probably not going to happen <clears throat> until at least into June and maybe even further uh, based on what happens and, you know, how under control, uh, you know, they can get things and hopefully get back to some form of normalcy here heading into the draft. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where things are uh, right now. But, you know, we wish Cam nothing but the best. He had a terrific year for us. Uh, he's a good kid and, and uh, you know, hope for the best for him.
2: The NCA coach has put a moratorium on on. Coaches to not be able to have face-to-face contact with potential recruits. How has that hampered? Because this is a big time right now for basketball recruiting. Because there is another signing period that opens up here in a couple of weeks. How has that changed what you and the staff can get done here in this in this period?
3: Yeah, it, it, it is an important time. We're we're just trying to do the best job we can. I mean, you know, we're all under the same circumstances, obviously, right now. So the thing that we're trying to do is is talk to as many of these kids as we can uh, on phone, you know, set up a a video call uh, with them, be able to show them uh, different things within our system. uh, You know, as far as our style and and how we play, Uh, we ended up the year with the 16th fastest pace uh, in the NCAA, uh, fifth amongst Power Five schools. Uh, As far as possession length, we were third, uh, first amongst Power Five schools. So, uh, you know, just to try to get those things out there and, and try to show Uh, the system and the style and and how, you know, a potential player could fit into our system. Uh, You know, as far as the guidelines, what's going to happen, you know, the AAU season has has been shut down, uh, rightfully so, this spring. And, and, you know, we'll see what happens uh, as far as if they will extend that into the summer, uh, where it is a big period. The June months usually uh, are for these kids to go through and and play with their high schools. And then July uh, is the biggest, Uh, uh, month as far as the AAU season and then head into August where our guys uh, will get back to school. But again, everything's so up in the air right now uh, based on what's going on in the world.
2: Yeah, we're visiting with Husker head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg here on Sports Nightly. We just passed your one-year anniversary of being Nebraska's head coach. As you look back over the last 12 months, a lot has happened. You had a, a big trip to Italy with this team. You you had the season that didn't go the way anybody wanted. But what what do you feel like you got accomplished here in the last 12 months?
3: Well, I, I do think it was a good year for us as far as trying to lay the foundation and, and put in a style of play that we feel uh, we can have long-term success with and Uh, You know, it was a difficult year, obviously. uh, You know, nobody expected going into this season winning only seven basketball games, two in league. Uh, But it was an important year, again, for laying the foundation. There were some very difficult decisions that that we had to make as a staff, Uh, you know, as far as trying to get the right things, you know, things that we will tolerate, things that we won't. Uh, You know, as far as, uh, you know, how we're going to operate with our program moving forward. uh, You know, there's some things that I see that give me a lot of hope. Uh, for next season, and a lot of that was with the three sit-out transfers that we had with Delano Banton, with Derek Walker, and with uh, Shamil Stevenson. Uh, saw a lot of really good play uh, out of those guys, and they're building chemistry with each other when they were playing in the scout team, trying to get our guys that were eligible, uh, you know, as as good of reps as they could to go against, uh, you know, some pretty high-level talent. Uh, you know, I'm very excited about what could potentially happen here in a couple weeks with uh, with some of the uh, the signings. Uh, that we potentially could add to this team uh, that I think will give us more size, more physicality. uh, And, you know, a group of guys are going to come in here and compete for, you know, obviously very valuable playing time. Uh, So yeah, it it is, you know, as difficult as last season was, I think there's definitely brighter days ahead.
2: Coach, how, how has the communication been for you with, with athletic department leaders, with university leaders? I mean, this is, as you said, this is unprecedented time. We're all kind of, I'm not making this up as we go, but we're having a, plan this thing as as we move along. How has that been from from your standpoint?
3: Yeah, the the communication has been excellent uh, from from uh, you know Chancellor Green to uh, you know Athletic Director Bill Moose and all the way down. Uh, We actually had a a, a, a Zoom, I guess it's called, Uh, didn't know what Zoom was uh, (laughs) as of two weeks ago, but we had a Zoom call with all the coaches yesterday and they're just keeping us as updated as possible as far as academics and compliance uh, you know some of the different things that we're going to have to deal with, uh, you know, from a uh, from an athletic department. Uh, but yeah, the, the the lines of communication have been have been excellent, and uh, you know, Bill's doing a great job leading us through this time.
2: Well, Coach, we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. We we're glad to hear that you're feeling better. You did give us all a scare, and uh, we're certainly looking forward for better days and be able to get back into PBA and root on the Huskers and get some life back to normalcy. I know everybody wants that.
3: Yeah, it was great talking to you, Greg. I appreciate it.
2: There he is, head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, joining us on our Sports Nightly hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. When we come back, going to be joined by Jordan Larson, one of the newest members of the 2020 Nebraska
4: Hall of Fame class. That's next. Welcome back. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network on a Thursday night thanks to everybody for spending part of your evening here with us happy to be joined on the program now by the newest member of the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame Hall of Famer Jordan Larson Jordan how's that sound
5: oh goodness so it gives me chills well wow. and just when you said that I was like oh my gosh that's crazy it's uh still like setting in and I don't know if it ever will but uh it's it's crazy
4: Well, we we saw the video of you and Coach Cook. Tell us a little bit about what that conversation was like and then, of course, learning that that you were going to be in this thing.
5: Yeah, you know, I had, like, uh, another phone call set up with him, like, later in the week, and so I was really kind of, like, I was like, what is this for, you know? And so he's like, oh, I just need to produce more content. Like, do you mind if I FaceTime you and you ask a couple questions? I was like, okay, sure, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just chilling in my backyard, you know? And so, uh, yeah, he just starts asking questions. And then that last one you see, I'm like, wait, are you asking? Are you telling? Like, what? And then, I don't know, I just was really, like, taken back. But it was – and Coach Cook is typically just all business, you know? And so I just was not – anticipating that at all so it was it was just a really
4: cool moment so one of the cool things about not just the volleyball program but 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 nebraska in general jordan is, is you know no matter where you guys you former players end up you know in your in your professional careers you always seem to have that tie nebraska never seems to leave you um you know it's things like this or you know an honor maybe come back for a match or whatever Um, but what, what's that like for you? You know, you're, you're continuing to live out your professional career, obviously, you know, living outside Nebraska now, but to still have, you know, these ties in this case, a big tie back to the university.
5: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I think that just, it, it's it speaks so much about, uh, just how special it is there. I try to like articulate it to everyone that I know, like until you like actually are there and can participate, um, you just really don't understand, like, the magnitude and the weight that it has. And so, um, really, I just, I burst with pride, like, just being from there and obviously growing up there, and uh, I don't know, it's just something different, but something so special.
4: When you travel around the world and, and play the sport that you love, you when, when you're playing with so many new teammates from all over the world, you probably try and find common ground. When, when If they don't know where you're from or know your background or you tell them you're from Nebraska and, and you explained it, Explain it to What do you tell them? What do you tell them about this place and and what it was like? You know, getting to, getting yourself ready for this type of career.
5: Yeah, um, I just you know try to explain. Okay, where is the United States? We're right in the middle, you know, yeah. and uh, just try to really explain to them like what it's like. It's so hard because a lot of the places that I played are pretty big cities, right? And so yeah. and even for me, like growing up in a very very small town, like hey, we did not have a stoplight. Like what? Like for people to like wrap their mind around that, like it's just like they can't like can't even fathom you know and even for me now it would be so interesting to live (laughs) live where I grew up a little bit just because it's so I've lived outside of that for so long so um but yeah I just try to like really explain like how special it is and I don't know just coming from that environment set me up so well for for long-term long-term success and I'm just really thankful for um I don't know I think John has just done such a great job there um like facilitating that and getting people to come in and and really embrace uh the environment it's something again you can't
4: explain to anybody your teams when you were at nebraska were some of the most dominant if not the most dominant four-year stretch of of program history when when you're going through that as you mentioned coming from a small town and you know you're you're at a big time program like nebraska and you're having all the success when did it kind of hit you that that you were a part of something special, and this this wasn't gonna just be something that was gonna help your four years at Nebraska, but you could potentially make a living playing this sport. When did it kind of hit you, just the magnitude of what you got yourself into when you were at Nebraska?
5: You know, I was actually thinking about that the, the other day. I was like, how did I like get here? Like what? Like how did this like how did this happen? You know, like I I really like when I think about when I was such a young kid and I had these goals and like what I, what I saw like for myself, like in the fact that I'm like sitting in this chair and like got to experience all the things that I've got to experience. Like it's still like, like it still really hasn't hit me. And (laughs) that's crazy to say, but I never in a million years, like thought that I would be able to experience and play at Nebraska at the time that I did with the players that I have. You think about like, I mean now like Sarah Pavin right? Like, going to be probably a two-time Olympian, like, in beach volleyball. Like, what? Like, how? And, um, I don't know, just how successful, like, just reading our record, right? Like, eight losses. Like, what? That's crazy. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't think about that until, like, just seeing it, you know? But, uh, I don't know if that even answers your question. Yeah. I'm still, like, baffled by it, honestly.
4: I mean, it is, it's kind of perplexing to look at, to be honest with you. You know, I've got the release here in front of me, and it just, it, it, it is crazy, and I'm sure, like, to you who, you know, you spend and, – and I get this a lot because I, I cover every sport at Nebraska. And and a lot of the times the college athletes, they don't really understand it when they're when they're a part of it, like when they're living it out. But it's really cool when talk to, talking to athletes like you now who have experienced it worldwide and you, you get all these uncomfortable situations thrown at you. And, and the thing that makes you feel better is what you learned at Nebraska or the comfortability of Nebraska. When you're traveling all over the world to play this sport, what is it – that this place taught you, that gave you comfort when you were so far away from home.
5: You know, I think uh, I think playing in front of a lot of people. I think obviously I was close to home, so that was comforting. But I, I think just that environment, like playing in that, like it's a little bit stressful, right? And so I think you kind of you really have to be on, and you have to, I, I mean, perform in a sense. I mean, always, right? Like you're trying to be the best you can be, and so I think just that situation of playing in that environment, like sets you up for like long-term success, right? Like playing in the Olympics in front of, you know, 15,000 people. I mean, that like sets you up, right? Cause you're playing in front of 15,000 fans in Nebraska, you know, it, it wasn't uncommon to see that. And so I think just that environment alone helped, um, bring comfort in times when, you know, there was a lot more, you know, stress or weight on, on, uh, on the docket. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what I first think of.
4: When you talk about the competitiveness of college volleyball, like it, there are insane athletes every year, and, and a lot of them, you know, do go on to, to at least try out for the for the national team with Team USA. But when you're actually a part of that team, and you're getting players from Texas and UCLA and Stanford and Florida and all over the place, what what are the typical conversations like when you bring? You know a team together uh, the, who, who probably played against a lot of these girls I know you're you're not the same age as a lot of them but um you know when, when everyone's talking about where they're from and what type of pride you have when you say you played at Nebraska
5: yeah I mean I think oh goodness there there are unique com- like conversations like hey especially now like I'm much older than a lot of the people coming in and so I'm like wait where did you play again like what was your experience like? It's it's a much different environment now going through college than it was maybe when I was going through that. But I think there's just like an insane amount of pride just that we're all coming together as like one nation now. Like, I don't know. That's always like cool for me to think about is like we were all competing across the net from each other, but now we get to come and like unite as one. Like I think that's just so like unique and so cool. And I think – all of a sudden the conversations go from, you know, hey, I beat you, which I still rub it in sometimes (laughs) when I talk to uh, Faluca from Stanford. I'm like, yeah, I remember that game, you know, but um, I think it turns into, like, hey, like, what are we going to do on this next point? Or, hey, you know, when are we going to beat Serbia next? Or, you know, things like that. So I think that definitely translates, like, over time.
4: I get to ask a lot of football players what it's like to see – their black shirt hang on the locker for the first time that that probably pales in comparison to what it's like to see your last name on a usa jersey hanging in the locker what, what was what was your experience the first time that you saw a usa jersey with your name on and you got to put it on and represent your country
5: oh oh goodness i can't even like tell you like obviously i was on the youth national team and junior national team and just even that like being able to be picked out of the you know, out of the United States, out of so many people, and and then to have your name on the jersey, and I I don't know, I don't know how to, like, articulate that, and I still don't, Um, it still, like, gives me chills, and I think that's why I'm still playing, you know, I I kind of, not judge, but a little bit, like, when people were playing over 30, I'm like, what's going on, you know, like, but you really just, you can't get enough, and you just you i don't know i love like representing like the bigger picture than me and like what the people that have come before me and um i don't know i just i'm so just i love it so much and i'm really just so thankful for an honor to wear the jersey every day
4: Talking with Jordan Larson, one of the newest members of Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame. Well, Jordan, typically when we do these interviews, it's it's usually you know boasting about your past, kind of like we have done, and talk about your great experiences. But I'm I'm going to humble you a little bit, and I've never asked a volleyball player this, but I'm intrigued to see your answer because I'm sure there's a lot of comparisons to Husker football. You get these hotshot recruits that come in. Uh, to try and play college football, and and they're usually humbled. Their first practice or two, there's a a kickoff return or something that happens where they go, wow, do I belong here? From a (laughs) small-town Nebraska product, when you showed up to campus for the first time on a national championship-caliber program team, was there a moment in your first week on campus or a workout or something where you look yourself in the mirror and go, do I even belong here?
5: Oh, a thousand percent, yeah. There was, yeah, oh, my gosh. I I remember one time a teammate... Uh, we were supposed to do, like, ten dare crawls, and I, like, did eight. And she was like, hey, uh, you know we're supposed to do ten. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, okay, I forgot. You know, like, I I just tried to cut corner a little bit because I just was so tired and exhausted. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing here? Like, is, is this really for me? And, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's still a humbling. You know, there's some days that I, I'm like, Oh, man, do I deserve to be in this gym? Like, there's a lot of those thoughts. and um, but yeah, it for sure happens. <laughs> and it, it did happen.
4: Jordan, before we we let you go, let's let's bring it back to this current team right now. You know, as we said, a lot of times you're you're so busy as a as a collegiate athlete where you know you're waking up. now they're going through this this crazy time now. But just assuming everything gets back on track and the volleyball season can play out from somebody who's been through it and now, you know, representative, their country and you know playing professional volleyball what advice would you give you know to to the current team or maybe some some young girls out there listening about about what what it means to go through your high school or your college season and just appreciate it while it happens because before you know it it's over
5: Yeah for sure and and that's would be my advice is just it's really like the best time of your life and you get to like get an education at the same time as playing volleyball and I can't tell you how many teammates of mine overseas like in turkey or in russia that have expressed like they don't have that opportunity of going to school and and getting to play and get an education at the same time it's either you play volleyball or you get an education and so as a nation like we're just so extremely blessed that we get to do both at the same time and still play at a very high level in front of a lot of fans and so um i think it's just so i don't know just take it all in and just truly embrace it and study hard, really like make it worth your while and uh, just have fun too. I think that's also very important.
4: Jordan, congratulations on the honor. I know you said it hasn't sunk in yet, but hopefully soon it will and you can come back and be honored and, you know, spend some time with Coach Cook and, and, and current members of the team, maybe some former teammates, to really enjoy the honor. Uh, congratulations again, and we're very happy for you and proud of you. And uh, best of luck here in this very very troubling and confusing time that we're in. But thanks for jumping on with us tonight.
5: Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, everybody stay healthy and safe, and uh, we'll get this get through this together. <laughs>
4: No doubt. Jordan Larson, newest member of the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame with us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. we got more Sports Nightly next. That Alden Smith story is amazing, isn't it? it hasn't played the NFL
2: since 2015. Boy, he was a heck of a player at Missouri. Nebraska matched up against Alden Smith three different times during his Missouri Tiger career. Nebraska was still a member of the Big 12 Conference at that time, so hopefully he's gotten his life straight. He's battled a lot of the same demons that Randy Gregory has battled for the Cornhuskers. Welcome back. Here's hour number two, Sports Alley on a Thursday night. Here's what we have coming up in the next 60 minutes. It's Thursday. That means it's a chance for us to check in with Teddy Greenside of the Chicago Tribune. We'll have that. Seven on seven makes its weekly appearance. Josh and Brett will fire some topics Ben and I a little bit later on. And we'll wrap up the hour with our click picks of the week. What have we been watching? What have we been seeing? I think I have an idea what Ben may throw at us later on in the hour. We'll get the hour started with Teddy.
0: He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate. But his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting here's the worldly teddy greenstein of the chicago Tribune.
2: well always good to check in i hope you're i hope you and your family are, are healthy and safe as we go through these troubling times
6: greg we're all good here um yesterday and today uh slightly annoying we have a, a park in a soccer field that's just five minutes from us at one of my one of my kids elementary schools and we go yesterday and there was this green webbing up to try to prevent us from going on the field so there are all these people in the parking lot you know kicking a soccer ball and throwing a baseball around and there's literally nobody on the soccer field so we decided to hop the fence (laughs) I think it was actually safer for us to be there than in the parking lot and at one point a car comes by and a woman is holding a megaphone she looks like maybe a 13 year old girl and she's screaming go home so she comes back comes back the other way, and then I start screaming to her, go home. I think there were three people in her car, so I think she was practicing less social distancing than we were. Um, so, I, you know, I understand that we're taking basically every precaution. I think it's really smart, but, you know, I think my kids should be allowed to practice soccer with nobody else on the field. I think that's that should be acceptable. Yeah,
2: I agree. Um, I know the Chicago area woke up this morning and heard the news about Ed Farmer, a longtime major yeah. baseball pitcher and broadcaster for the White Sox, had passed away. Uh, did you have a chance to get to know Ed at all?
6: So I absolutely did. So I covered the White Sox in 98, 99, and then 03. And Ed is a was a huge college football enthusiast, huge domer. I mean, he would talk for hours about Notre Dame football, especially when they played Michigan because there were a lot of Michigan people in the White Sox organization, including Rick Hahn. So that was always a big deal. And he and I played golf, and we got along great. And then uh, I was off the White Sox beat, and I was covering sports media. And you definitely find out when you cover sports media, if you have to be critical of people, how sensitive they can be. Now, I did have some tough lines about him. At one point, I, I gave ratings to all the uh, Chicago baseball booths. And I gave him, uh, I think it was with Darren Jackson, no, I think he was, with, he was with a partner before DJ and before... No, it was with Chris Singleton. I gave them a D plus, which I actually thought was on the generous side. And <laughs> I certainly mentioned that Farmio you know, has a penchant for um, interrupting. And I, I think I, I called him and Singleton. I said, this is the worst combination since Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan. Worst chemistry since Mike Ditka mm-hmm. and Buddy Ryan. But at least those two uh, were entertaining. <laughs> so a couple of years later, uh, I'm doing a story on Ozzy Guillen Jr., for my sports media column, and I walk through the White Sox clubhouse, and he stops me and is, is getting really upset and is saying, oh, you don't know anything about baseball and this and that. So I said, Ed, you want to you take this outside and, and chat? Not, not that we're going to get into a fight, but just, you know, he's, he's putting on this big show in front of the players, and at first they think it's kind of funny because they love whenever a sports writer gets reamed out, but then after maybe five minutes or so, they're like, okay, enough. And it's just funny because like, I think Ed was trying to intimidate me and he's a really the least intimidating guy. I mean, I'm a guy who's dealt with, you know, getting a glare from Will Cordero, who was a domestic abuser and Albert Bell, who's cursing at people and and, and looking all nasty. And it was just funny to me that Ed was trying to intimidate me. So we went years without talking. And then I was covering the White Sox, uh, a series in Kansas city in 2018. And I'm headed up to the press box, and the elevator door is closing, and, and I see Ed, and he's about to come in, and I'm like, great, now i got to <laughs> deal with this. And he's chit-chatting with me as if nothing ever happened. And I thought that was really nice. So we had some very nice interactions at the end. Um, he's a guy who uh, you know, could talk your ear off whether there was a baseball game or not, and he really did have some sweetness to him. So he's a tough guy, man. He had uh, kidney disease. He, uh, he, had, he had a kidney transplant from his brother. And he uh, was able to live to the age of 70, which is a lot later than I think doctors would have uh, predicted.
2: Yeah, I think I read that the White Sox actually sent him home early in training camp. He's been back in Chicago for a month, I think.
6: Yeah, I mean, he, when you saw him, he was really limping badly. Um, you know, his skin didn't look right. He had these long kind of spindly fingers. You could just tell um, it had taken its toll. He had a lot of surgeries at one point. He was battling kidney disease so hard that he had to take 56 pills a day. So it was not an easy ride for him. A very accomplished pitcher, uh, had a certain broadcasting style. Some people liked, some people didn't. Um, But uh, certainly a big uh, friend to baseball and and friend to the White Sox.
2: What's your gut say? Do you think we're going to see some baseball before the season's over?
6: I do. I think both sides are are incredibly motivated to do something. Uh, But I don't see it even in the realm of possibility that we'll have these large gatherings i i I really worry for college football season i I don't know how it's going to be quote unquote normal by august or september but let's talk baseball and i think they have just the perfect way to do it i mean i think you have venues in arizona for spring training Um, i think the players would be happy there the weather would be good can you allow 1,500 fans to go to uh, you know a a ballpark that seats 10,000 and space them out. I I, I don't know if you can, but I think you can certainly play games there. And I think America could use um, the distraction in terms of TV, the entertainment, and the players want to get paid, and it would give us some sense of normalcy. And I think it can be done quite safely. So as long as everybody's you know tested negative, um, you know I just see baseball different from football. You know football with obviously all the collisions and so many. People and and packed into locker rooms. I think it's just different than baseball, where I think you could probably do it and maintain some level of uh, social distance.
2: Visiting with Teddy Greenstein, as we do each Thursday night here on Sports Island. You you wrote today about Ed Farmer. You've also recently written about Tim Doyle, a guy that we used to see on the Big Ten Network, but no longer. That's What's right. up with Tim Doyle?
6: So I, I today I filed like twenty seven hundred words, <laughs> Tim Doyle, the life and times. <laughs> I've known him since he was playing basketball at Northwestern and I always joked with him. I went there to do a story one time because Northwestern was about to play Ohio State. So he has some good wisecrack lines about Greg Oden and you know, he's going to be in the NBA and the guy who's covering him is going to be an investment banker. So I'm interviewing him and and I look and practice is about to start. So I go, Tim, you know, you probably want to go to practice and he goes, no, I'm good. Let's keep talking. (laughs) So even at that point, you knew he was going to be more comfortable in a media setting than anything. And, you know, he he got basically a full-time gig at the Big Ten Network within a year or two of getting out of Northwestern. And I think he kind of took it for granted. And he was definitely kind of loose-lipped with certain things. Like he had a a crack where he said, oh, you can't spell Nittany without NIT and talking about Penn State. And um, he he called uh, Iowa forward Aaron White a ginger because he's a redhead. So he would just say these things that would, you know, get enough people upset, enough people complaining to his superiors that at a certain point the Big Ten Network said, "Man, we can't, we can't have this." So even though he's very talented, uh, they cut him loose. Um, he also lost a gig with uh, CSN Chicago, NBC Sports Chicago, because he got into a fight with Kendall Gill that you guys maybe had read about. But the story is really cool. Um, Tim Doyle's dad was a massive sports gambler, big sports better. And sports betting now has basically saved Tim's career. So he now is a fantasy um, basketball expert for NBA TV, and he picks games and horse races for CBS Sports HQ. So it's just kind of weird how sports betting has actually saved him, but not in the traditional sense. So that story will be coming out uh, in the next day or two.
2: Great. We'll look forward to that. Glad to hear you're healthy. Keep doing those soccer practices, and maybe we'll get some. some, Next week I'm going to ask you about this maybe for – Tiger Phil duel that they're talking about, maybe we'll we'll get into that more next week.
6: Obama and Trump, that would be uh, <laughs> that would get Love some it. ratings, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Stay safe. Absolutely. Thanks, man. You too.
2: We're back, sports highly Thursday night, and what we've started doing during our coronavirus. Delay in sports, we decided to go back to an old standby of ours, 7-on-7. Seven seven. We do it once a
0: week. We do it on Thursdays. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with 7-on-7 seven seven drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the offseason with some 7-on-7 seven seven of our own. Seven topics.
3: A seven-nation army couldn't hold me
0: back. From sports.
3: From Manning, seven touchdown passes.
0: To pop culture.
3: I never joke about
1: my
0: web 007. It's time to go seven on seven on Sports Nightly.
1: Well, we made fun of the open the last couple of weeks about it not being summer, but this there's a couple days this last week where it almost felt like summer, so it, we're not too far off.
2: Yeah. Sure did. And all, by the way, if you look to the extended forecast, next Tuesday they're saying we're going to top 80. Oh, on yeah. Tuesday.
1: Let's wow. do it. I'm in. Bring it yeah. on. By the way, say hi to Brett. His first Hello, seven on seven of the Brett season. Hello,
7: Brett. Woody. Hi guys. Yeah, I, I did not think seven on seven would come this quickly, but I'm so <laughs> happy it did. You know yeah, I me. Mean. This is your favorite thing, right here. <laughs> this this is, is this is what, what I look do. forward to when football season starts. You know, I'm just like, when is it over?
1: Right. When when is seven on seven back? And it's right now. Yeah. When so.
7: seven on seven back? And when does football end?
1: That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, jump into this week's topics, and uh, we start with this one. You may have heard of it, but earlier uh, this week, a semi-truck carrying toilet paper crashed near Dallas and caught fire. The driver is okay, but most of the toilet paper was ruined, so we could have gone a a lot of different directions with this, but we'll go this one. If you guys could uh, get a truckload of anything delivered to your house right now, what would it be? Oh, what a
0: awesome (laughs) question. (laughs) Anything.
1: Anything. I mean, don't just say money. Like, let's let's be creative here. Like- yeah, 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 yeah. I'm um, going like uh, like Nestle s-
4: snacks or like a Lay's like a Lay's. Just truck. a bunch mm. of snacks. Yeah. So I don't want to like narrow it down to just like Gatorade sure. or you know. I-, I would take a truck full of Slim Jims for sure. Okay. But like, give me some variety. Give me like a Lay's truck with you know all kinds of Lay's chips or you know <laughs> just kind of snacky foods. Give me that.
2: All right. See, I'm gonna go more of the beef. Give me a load of beef—ribeyes, oh, yeah. yes. ribs, steaks—you oh. know, burnt ends. Give me that stuff. Bring me that. Yeah, just yeah,
7: yes, please.
1: You, you guys know me. I would go with candy. Any, any, just yeah, all sorts of candy. I, <laughs> I would burn through it in the next couple months. Trust me, Brett. I, I would have to go
7: meats honestly too. Like, just send me yeah. an Omaha Steaks truck right oh, now. Oh man,
1: making me hungry <laughs> yeah. right now, guys.
7: Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, topic number two, uh, Tom Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously, a couple weeks ago, uh, and he's really bought into his new franchise. He's moved into Derek Jeter's mansion in Tampa today. It's a 30,000-square-foot brick home on Tampa's waterfront right outside of downtown. Uh, according to his neighbors, the house has been empty for the past six to seven months uh but brady will be renting from jeter not living with him but if you were able to live in the same house as any professional athlete uh who would you go with
0: Ooh, Uh, it would not be tom brady
2: (laughs) it would not be tom brady Um, i agree I, i wouldn't mind i don't know i mean he wouldn't be my first choice but and, and even though I'm, uh, I'm in my happy place whenever I see Patrick Mahomes, he's a little young for me. I don't know that I could hang so with So we'd be living Mahomes. with them? or You'd, be, their, li-
1: you'd be living with home. them, yes. We're, oh. um, it, it's a little bit different than the case with Brady and Jeter. They're not actually living together, mm-hmm. but in this pretend scenario, this imaginary yeah. scenario, you would be living with this athlete, spending time with them, hanging out. And
7: you do have 30,000 square feet to work with, so yeah, you can, you're, you're on can top of each other.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. You can go to your separate rooms if you need to. But, Kemba Walker. All right. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if oh, that's yeah. where you that's might good.
4: head that direction right there.
1: You guys can head outside and play some hoops every once in a while yeah, in the driveway. He seems like a,
4: la- like a laid-back kind of chill dude, too. Not just because yeah. I love him, but like I- he's not one of those obnoxious guys. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm going to ball bat sport. I-, I wouldn't mind hanging with Mike Trout for a while.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one of those laid back cool guys. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Like a like yeah. a man's man kind of guy. Just wears mm-hmm. jeans and sweats around the house and Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if one of you guys was gonna go with like Gronk or somebody like that, somebody that likes <laughs> to party it up. No, it's a while. Five card? years ago. No, no, five no. years ago maybe. <laughs> yeah. But but especially now with the times, like True. You want somebody that yeah, is pretty easy to live with. Like you're stuck in the house. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're you know, you're quarantining, so Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. good ones, though. I you like want
7: Antonio Brown in there with you? Mm, no. No.
1: Philip Rivers
7: for Ben. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nope. All, uh, all those that. kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh Eleven boy. kids or how many ever he has. Um, all that 11. just sounds terrible. Yeah. Wow. Oh gosh. All right. Well, speaking of houses, uh, this is actually some local news here At topic number three. A thief broke into a house in central Lincoln last week and mm-hmm. uh, appeared to make himself at home. They made food, moved items from upstairs to downstairs, and they left a bunch of cigarettes throughout the house before finally ending up taking off with some valuables worth about $9,000. So do you guys think that a thief would want to hang out in your house, or would he just come to steal stuff? Um, I
2: mean, I don't have a pool table or a ping-pong table, so I don't know that— Somebody would want to come and really, because I don't have a lot, really, any of that kind of stuff. I don't really have a ton of valuables around here, so I wouldn't be a good hit.
4: Um, <laughs> I I feel like if they went to my basement, they they may want to spend some time. I got a pool table, table down here. And, I got yeah. a big comfy couch that they might want to take a nap on. I'm not inviting Greg them to putting a marker on Ben's. <laughs> Other than my basement, I'm not offering a whole lot. Yeah, no. we're going
7: in a dangerous Dude, I, I, direction here, but. I heard you have a, yeah. a
4: ton of jewelry and about
7: 50,000 in cash yeah. on you. <laughs> I might have like a like one of those puka shell necklaces yeah. stored away somewhere.
1: <laughs> if people are into those. Hey. Hey, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I mean, if you guys get that truckload of meat delivered to your house, then then there's something worth Ooh. breaking in for, but Yeah, that's yeah. true too. Brad. Yeah. We'd be a We'd prime target for that. That's right. I'd be keeping that on the DL,
7: that's for sure. <laughs> good, right. good idea. No, no, Next topic here. Uh, Gordon Hayward uh, uh, recently said in an interview that he and his family have spent lots of time watching TVs, or TV shows and movies to uh, pass the time during this virus. Not unlike most Americans, but uh, he has said that he's watched the movie Frozen about <laughs> 35 times. Uh, now, without spoiling flicks, picks later in the hour. What TV show or movie have you watched the most times? in your life, and are you proud of it?
4: Like, does The Office count? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) oh, yeah. I've watched that probably, like, not even exaggerating, probably 50 times over. Yeah.
7: Mm
4: -hmm. Safe, conservative guess.
2: I'm a big Marvels guy, so anytime one of the Marvels movies comes up, even though I've seen them, I lock into Mm -hmm. it for at least 20 minutes, and then I go, ah, yeah, Yeah. okay, (laughs) got to get on to something else. So for me, it'd be the Marvels movies. Is whatever it pops up, I usually lock into it for a while. That nice. and and also, I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible series. And Ghost Protocol was on the other day in the afternoon. I've seen mm-hmm. it probably a half a dozen times and
7: sat back and watched it again. Nice. It, it definitely helps when they're syndicated. That definitely is. Sure. Isn't yeah. It? It's right.
1: it's easy to just pop on, you know, pop on the TV and watch it, you know, and go in and out at your leisure. But yeah. Uh, um. Speaking of media and things being on TV, earlier this week it was announced uh, by ESPN that they'd be releasing their special 10-part documentary on Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, in April instead of June. And You guys talked about this on the show earlier in the week about how excited you are for this to come out. So let's put a a little bit different twist on it. If you could pull some never-before-seen footage from any athlete, team, or subject matter in sports history, what would it be? And... I mean, to make it fun, you can go back to even before cameras existed. Let's pretend that cameras could go back and capture some stuff from before we actually had good quality footage.
4: Yeah, easy,
1: pretty easy for
4: me. Uh, 27 Yankees, you know, watching a team like that, watching Walter Johnson pitch, watch Christy Mathewson pitch, Josh Gibson hit, you know, any of those old legends in baseball is definitely what I would want to watch. Um, You know, to to see see some good footage of that would just be would be prime.
2: Yeah, I was thinking Ted Williams. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's really fascinated me, and and he was basically done about the time television really got its hooks into baseball. So that that comes to mind. A Ty Cobb like everybody yeah, there's so many negative stories about Ty Cobb. Everybody says he's a great player, but everybody couldn't stand the guy. Was the line from Field of Dreams? I'd like to see kind of him getting some dust-ups of some of that stuff. And and I'd also like to see some footage, this is out there a little bit, of uh, the 36 Olympic Games in Berlin, Germany, where, you Ooh, know, the yeah. Americans and Jesse Owens had a big Ooh, yeah. meet with Adolf Hitler in the mm-hmm. stands. I think that would have been cool to see some of that. Yeah, good one.
7: Yeah, I, I was going to say... Uh I would love to go back and see uh, Babe Ruth call shot yeah, just yeah, once yeah. and for all. Just right. put it to the rest. Did he do it? Yeah, right.
1: Diddy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one I was. And if you want to go
7: real far back, gladiators.
1: Ooh, there you go, Brett. That's a good one. There, no no cameras, but. Well, I mean, you know, in this scenario, we would have cameras. One I was thinking of was, uh, you know, Dave Revson's book that came out a couple of years ago was about college football at the turn of the century in the 1900s. How crazy it was at that time. I think that would be fun to go back and watch and see what what college football was like in in that era. Sure, Mm -hmm. yeah.
7: All right, uh, topic number six, uh, future top five NBA draft pick LaMelo Ball and his manager Jermaine Jackson have bought the Australian professional team that he played for this past season, the Illawarra Hawks. So uh, he's 18 years old. Uh, What professional sports franchise would you guys most want to own and then what current or former player uh, would you want to go into partnership with them
0: hmm.
4: i want to buy the cowboys and just run that franchise into the ground <laughs> oh, wow. oh, so just vindictively <laughs> oh, you're gonna be... I, I like that that's the way that you you go Jeez. with this question solid it's like
7: if you have one wish i i, w- I wish something bad to happen to someone else
4: <laughs> just run those guys into the ground Ben,
2: how about the flint tropics would you like to have that franchise? <laughs> no, because they they weren't they didn't they
4: couldn't get into the NBA. <laughs> a- B- Maybe um, <laughs> I think that Bear Stone the least. I would definitely want to uh, own with uh, Jackie Moon though. Oh yeah, that would be, be that great, would be good. wouldn't he? Oh god, yeah. will
2: just Will Ferrell. Just give me Will Ferrell.
1: As Imagine talking on.
4: personnel decisions with with Jackie Moon. <laughs> that'd, that'd be something else. We'll give you a washing machine. <laughs> give me like. A, Man, that's a good question. I mean, I, I would want to be in, in control of a baseball team. Yeah, um, preferably in a bigger market. Give me like the Mariners. Uh, not a lot of pressure. You, if you if you ever take them to like the World Series or something, you're you're an icon. Um, and See, who would I, the, I would want to own. go the I would go the Padres. Because I love San
2: Diego. Oh, there you go. Weather. It'd give Perfect. me, it'd give me, give me a bunch of time to spend in San Diego. Yeah. So give me Will Ferrell and the Padres. So this has I, to be works. an athlete. Like
1: it, it can be. Oh,
7: athlete. Okay. I mean, it's yeah. I like the Will Ferrell one, honestly.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's. <laughs> I, I mean, technically, he played in a, a spring training game, didn't he? He played all. Night. All the he teams. Did, he yes. played with all he the teams. Did. Yeah.
4: Or most of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody just like really savvy, like. Like a Peyton
1: Manning, give me yeah. Peyton Manning. Well, but Here, he's not a he's not a baseball. I was guy, gonna say but. here's another direction for the question. What what current athlete do you think could potentially be like a Derek Jeter and go into ownership? Like, our, could go in that direction? When Andrew the career, Luck.
4: Yeah, he's not a current athlete, Ben.
1: Yeah, he's done. No, but
4: he was. <laughs> he done. <laughs> you don't know if he's playing in like some type of. Flag football league or something like that. Sunday church league. Imagine that. Imagine (laughs) playing in a in a in a YMCA flag football league, and you show up, and Andrew Luck's out there slinging it. Give me
2: in Give me in Damacon Sue if I'm going to own an NFL team. That's a guy that knows business. He knows the league. Yeah.
7: I think he'd be really good to partner up with.
1: Solid. I like it. I like it.
7: LeBron, come, it seems like the obvious oh, yeah. one to me. Yeah. He, he has the money and the Rich Paul
1: and him are going to be if, pretty If I'm powerful. in baseball, give me Greg Maddox in Seattle. That'd be, that'd be good. All right. Love it. I like it. Good stuff. All right. Our last topic here, last but not least, with summer coming up and some warmer weather this past week, here's a... Topic for you: The federal program Energy Star has recommended that households keep their thermostat set no lower than 78 degrees during the summer, and to set it to 80 82 degrees while sleeping. So, oh. do you guys agree with this, or what is your perfect indoor temperature? Well, we so what, do.
4: What's the deal here? They they they, they, they rec- why do they recommend
1: this? Just for saving energy. They're they're saying that you should set to. Save your air conditioners. You should have your temperature set at 78 degrees in the summer and 82 sure. degrees while sleeping. Fair There's absolutely no chance
4: I'm following wow. those rules. No chance. 80, you're
1: starting to sweat almost. Oh, we,
4: yeah. We
2: do keep we, ours at 78, and it's, it's toasty even in that at night. But I, I can stomach Man. that. But to go to eighty-two, ridiculous. You'd be just waking up in pools of sweat if you have it oh, at eighty-two. We, we just
1: put out a I Twitter like, poll. And most people
4: like it cold when they sleep. So. I I am never coming over to the Sharp House in the summertime either. Seventy-eight. <laughs> good grief. Yep. Yeah. My well, basement like doing naturally ten degrees cooler than the rest of the house. Right, so and, and
2: the, yeah, and ours is too because basements are just below ground, so they true. are the best, the
4: best part is, you know, you go in and mow. Come in, take a shower, go to the basement, and just you just refrigerate the heck out of it. You get the fans pumping. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the best. It's the best feeling when it's hundred degrees out. But no, I'm not following those rules at all. Sorry, <laughs> dude.
7: Yeah, unless this becomes mandated, I think I'll just see that as a recommendation for the time being. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, as Josh mentioned, we do have a our runs a Twitter poll is what is your ideal indoor temperature? Your choices are. 64 or colder, 65 to 70, which is rolling right now. Yeah. 70 to 75 or 76 and above. Nobody, nobody has voted for that <laughs> category yet. <laughs> uh,
4: there will be a few trolls that do. I'm in the 65 <laughs> to 70 all day.
2: I'm all in the day. 71 to 75. Yeah, I'm yeah I'll pro- I'd probably be 70. Can you just 71. say 78?
4: You were at
2: summertime during the winter. We put it at 72. So it's 72 in here right now, but during the so summer, you've got we'll go like 78.
4: Set, you've got, like, set temperatures. Like, I, I would never see your temperature gauge at 74. You're, you're at one of those two all the time? One of the
2: two, yep. Winter, summer. <laughs> yeah. Man,
4: if I was ever in your house, I would mess with you every day. I would, <laughs> I would have it on a new number every day.
2: So if my house gets broken into, I've got and my home and my thermostat's been adjusted. I'm going <laughs> to know how to look.
4: Suspect now who it is
0: one.
4: <laughs> But I wouldn't walk out with anything because you've already advertised that I can't really take nothing. Yeah, I don't have a pool table, no ping pong table, nothing. Yeah.
2: Well done. Good topics tonight. Go have some fun. Go on Twitter at Husker Sports is our Twitter follow and vote for your thing. I voted seventy-one to seventy-five. You voted yet, Ben? Get in there, vote. I voted. It's done. Okay. 65-70 all day. No sports on this weekend, but we've got you covered.
0: I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them.
2: Time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right. Time to see what we've been kind of watching, looking at, maybe recommend to some folks. Ben? You're the king of this whole category. Jump into this thing. Speaking
4: of king, have we all
2: seen oh, Tiger boy. King? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I have not. Yep. You have to what watch am I? it. What yeah. am I missing? Tell me what
7: I'm missing.
4: We, you can't explain it. It's so you hard You to just, explain. You just it, can't explain it. You got to just it, experience it. Think of it.
7: the most insane thing you can think of and then t- double that.
4: <laughs> you. you uh, yeah. I. Someone here it has saw. everything. I'll pull up a tweet I, yeah. i'll do some digging someone someone actually uh tweeted at me exactly how they described it and it was it was perfect way but anyway finished it um i don't want to give away too many spoilers but that dude killed her husband there's no doubt about it she <laughs> whacked him she whacked him for sure okay getting ready to start season three of ozark tonight huh? Uh, there you we, go. We've cr- we've watched the first two. I don't like uh, just remembering new seasons, uh, what mm. happened. So I have to rewatch them. So we rewatched um, all of it, and now we're gonna we're gonna start in on the um, on season three tonight, and I, I can't wait for that. So that and I, I've gotten a craving for watching the Patriot with Mel Gibson. So that is on. Oh. That Good, is on dude. my uh, my list as well. So well, you
2: were you were with me in San Diego's when I started to watch Ozark. I told you I, I, yeah, I finished. Got to get into it. I I finished season one over the weekend, so I've not started season two yet. But I, I finished up season one in about a month. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. As much go. as else is going on.
1: Not bad. All right. All well, right, Josh, I, I don't feel very original here. I did watch Tiger King. Victoria and I watched the all seven episodes on Saturday, so we knocked that thing out in a day. Uh, it is crazy i also we also just started ozark as well so we just started that up um on uh, this earlier this week and we season one yep season one four or five of, episodes ugh. in so we've got
2: episode one's a hard yeah, pounder crazy i love uh, yeah.
1: that uh and to be a little bit different i've since uh the news came out that the michael jordan documentary is coming out a little bit early i've I, that's kind of gotten me in the mood for some old 30 for 30s so i have gone back and watched a couple of those. Just watched the uh, Michael Vick one. That, that mm-hmm. was pretty good. So, um, looking forward to that coming out in a couple weeks.
2: What is Michael Vick doing these days? Anybody no know? No idea.
4: Don't know. Hmm. Not sure. By the way, I found the tweet that somebody sent me that describes Tiger King. It's Jerry Springer, Animal Planet, Dateline, Big Love, <laughs> Duck Dynasty, all combined into one. Jeez. As into the biggest human train wreck on television. That's a good so description. I, that's about. That's about what you're getting. That's good. Like it? Yep.
7: All right. All right. Uh, I'm guess I'm next up. Yeah. Uh, so at three for three, Ozark. I've actually, I in one sitting, got through the entire third uh, wow. season. Oh. I have zero patience. Oh. <laughs> uh, also had a lot of time on my hands lately, so uh, it, that, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. But it, season three is fantastic. Just I've heard it's everything epic. you'd want out of Ozark. So nice. right. have they? Ruth, have they Ruth said Ruth how really
2: long they want on. that to go? No, it took us forever
4: to get season 3 out. Like yeah, it, we've been waiting forever yeah, to get season 3. What if Jason Bateman it's a has year. a lot of I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope know. it keeps going though.
1: Yep.
7: Yeah, and then I also see now on Netflix they have a community, so I'm about to oh. jump into that.
1: Yeah. Good. Nice.
4: I I'm into we'll that too. That. I want to get into that and watch that.
7: Yeah. All right. I'm a
2: little bit more bland. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Andy Sandberg. Oh, love uh, it. I,
4: I've, I've
2: caught up on that show. I was about five episodes behind. I'm caught up on that. It's they're, they're in the new season right now, so I'm caught up on that. I also, you guys know I like, last week I talked about watching some Faradies on the Golf Channel. Well, they also reran a three-part series about Arnold Palmer. You talk about a remarkable guy, Arnold Palmer was. Yeah, he won. He won seven majors. Should have won more, but he, he he flat blew a couple of U.S. Opens, and that he would have won more. But but Arnold Palmer, guys, was really the guy that started the Golf Channel. He started the Champions Tour. It was called the Seniors Tour for a while. He's got a hospital that he helped get. A children's Hospital in Orlando that he's helped get started. That. Larry, the cable guy, utilized with his young son one time. Just a remarkable guy, Arnold Palmer was. He told the story about the drink, Ben. Said he was in a clubhouse in Palm Springs. And the waitress goes, what do you want, Mr. Palmer? And she said, all right, here's what I want. I want a third of a cup of lemonade and fill the rest of the glass with iced tea. And he said a few minutes later, a lady behind him goes, I'll have a Palmer. And he's like,
4: there we go. I got a new drink. You think you, Arnold you think Palmer. Arnold Palmer's amazing? Wait till you find out about Joe Exotic.
0: <laughs> oh gosh,
4: <laughs> good stuff.
2: Th- thanks to everybody for making Flix Picks a fun little segment here on Sports Nightly on a Thursday.